Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. I'm also ready to get the microphone because this this was a bad one. All right, three, two, one. Welcome back, Criminal Mischief Nation, to another bonus episode. I'm your co-host, Brandon Morgan, with the great Carolyn Osorio. Hello, Carolyn. Hey, Brandon. How are you? Good. We're coming at you a little late today. I had some family obligations, so apologize if uh, if you start your, your Tuesday mornings off with, with murder uh, and you have to delay a few hours. It's entirely my fault. Uh, yeah. Carolyn, how was your week? You know what? It was really interesting. I watched an amazing movie. My husband took me to go see. It's called, um, oh gosh, what is it called? Darn it. Is it the new Run DMC documentary on Peacock? No. I didn't know that there was a new one. There is. Okay, no. Things from Queens. It's amazing. Oh, okay. I'll have to to put that that in there. Okay. Um, No, it's called something Perfect Days. No, that's what it's called. Perfect Days. It's a Japanese uh, foreign film. And it's so freaking good. I highly recommend it. If you like, um, it's like, it's like a, uh, you're, you enter this world of this. Why are you shaking your head? So, so crunchy, bougie Japanese foreign films. <laughs> Holy shit. Fuck oh off. Gosh, are did you wear Birkenstocks to the theater? Did you? <laughs> You know what? <laughs> oh my gosh, she's showing I us have, her feet. Did I you have Birkenstock on the way? I have Birkenstock. I have Birkenstock like boots. Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm so predictable. <laughs> All right, go on. I'm I'm not even gonna go on anymore. Anyway, any for anybody who's interested, it is so great. Thank you for taking the wind out of my sails was so good it was so we all clapped afterwards keep art alive (laughs) it was really good Uh, awesome i'm glad you had a wonderful experience in the cinema i really i'm I'm happy more people need to get back into the into the movie theaters agreed um i loved over the summer the barbenheimer explosion you know when being in a movie theater again like that, where there were lines at the concession stands and shit was sold out and full theaters and everything. That was like old school, you know, that was, it it was, it was great. So, um, and I used to live down the street when I lived in Hollywood from an an art house theater that had all of these little Carolyn Indies, you know, you don't Um, get to go back. You don't get to go back. You are like, and I made fun of every single one of them, but every now and then like indie films. Are you kidding me? I, I, the you. indie films I like indie films like you know like train spotting you know like yeah. gritty dirty indie films that studios won't touch you know um so but you can't I, watch a wonderful show about a guy who like totally takes pride in the job that he does and has a secret inner life that nobody knows because everybody's too fucking busy and on their phones to care about I'm, I'm sorry what you lost me for a second I fell asleep what happened start over I, I'm just I'm just <laughs> I can't believe it. It's like a stake through my heart. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. My wife drags me to those things sometimes and they're okay. I get it. One of my favorite movies of all time actually is a foreign indie film. I don't know if it was indie or not. 
because you know it won the Oscar. Um, the Lives of Others. Do you ever see the Lives of Others, the German mm-hmm. film? Mm-mm. Like when? Oh gosh, fifteen years ago maybe. Okay. I um, I kicking and screaming went to that movie. I was like, I'm gonna have to, it's subtitled. You know all that. Like Werner Herzog. No, no, no. It wasn't Werner Herzog. You know, I, I was being the ugly American. I admit it. You know, but I went into that movie and I was just like, whatever. Um, and it was magnificent. It was so good. I couldn't believe it. I could, I, it was just amazing. The emotional strings that it pulled and, uh, the filmmaker had you in the palm of his hand from the beginning. It was so great. Well, you have to go see perfect days. I'm telling you, it's so good. It is so, so rich and delicious and yummy and like everything. It was was brownies. It was cookies. Calm yourself. No, it was so good. Was it subtitled? Of co- I don't speak Japanese. I wish I did, of course. But it's like they couldn't it's, just speak it, English. They it immerses just... you. I can't stand that. Even when they do have they a dub, speak I, English have to... I mean, come, I'm kidding. I'm joking, obviously. Of course, no, it's so great. Like just the the. It's okay. I'm gonna stop because I. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I am yes. helping. I'm helping my brother-in-law build out uh, an office in his uh, backyard. So I spent all weekend doing Uber like man stuff, like framing and insulation and. You know, installing an air conditioner and flooring. I like, I like that too. Drywalling, yeah, yeah, really, really cool. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that was a good. I had a really good weekend there. Home Depot. Oh, we wore matching like coveralls. You know, oh, okay. like a bunch okay. of cool do you stuff. have your uh, carpenter's pencil right here next to your glasses, or do you have it in your hooked in your belt? That's one of my problems as a as, as a as a construction worker as a carpenter is I don't, I don't do either. I leave it where it is and I'm constantly looking for a tape measure and for a pencil constantly. Mm-hmm. I should put it in my ear or in a tool belt or whatever, but a That's tool belt, but a tool belt feels a little extra. I'm not like Siri and people make fun of me. Right? Like, oh, you I, would a tool totally, belt? I would totally make fun of you. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Totally and I would deserve it. I would deserve it. I don't deserve to wear a tool belt. So. <laughs> <laughs> So let's especially with your foot hanging out of your ceiling. You absolutely I, I, don't, you don't deserve you're right. You're absolutely you right. You don't deserve it. You're right. I don't deserve to wear a tool belt. I would I would I would welcome all ridicule if you if I'm seen wearing a tool belt. So Okay. Um, all right. Well you'll have to figure that out because I would have taken you for an ear behind the ear. I should. I need to kind of train myself to do that yeah. because you know, there are certain tools you should have on you at all times because you use them all. You're always using a pencil. You're always using a tape measure, you know, or a hammer on your belt, you know, whatever. But I don't know. You need a tool belt, Brandon, but you're I, too. I do. I, do but I, I, would, I would feel like a phony. I would feel like a phony. <laughs> you're to break me down. You want to make me say it? Yes. I'd feel like a phony. I know, but you probably had matching outfits with your brother-in-law. Oh my god! We, we had matching coveralls, and we look like a bunch of tools walking around Home Depot. People are taking pictures of us. <laughs> there. Well, you know what? As long as it's straight, you know. Yes. And if it's cool. straight, you're good. And we we when we mean it, we're there and we're doing actual work. You know. And what yeah. is he going to do with the shed? Is it going to be a studio? Is it going to be a playhouse? Is it going to be what? What's going to be? 
what's happening? No, it's, it's definitely for work. He's a therapist. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, he's licensed in LA and in New York. So he has an office, <clears throat> like a, a proper office, right? Like that he shares with mm -hmm. his psych psychotherapy group. Um, but when he sees patients <clears throat> in New York, he'd like to be able to not have to go into the office, but to just have a professional background for his Zoom meetings. Um, yeah, like he, this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like your garage. And his wife works from home uh, like three days a week and, mm -hmm. and would like to have an office to work in also. So it's it's that. And we're going to put in a Murphy bed so because there's a bathroom back there. So it'll also it'll be like a guest room. Um, nice. Day. Yeah, so it's nice. We're having a good time. Having a good time. Awesome. Well, All right, so, so let's, let's get so into let's, it. Okay. The zombie right. hunter. Yeah. It makes sense later. No, the zombie hunter. I'm assuming is the detective that we're that you're talking to this whole time, right? I can't tell you that. You'll have to wait. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so canals in Phoenix uh, fucked me up for a while, right? <laughs> Because you don't think of Phoenix in the middle of the desert having canals. Mm -hmm. I have never been to Arizona, so I don't know. You've never been to Arizona? I've never been. To, it's not really, I mean. Look at, look, look for a few seconds at a tan piece of paper. There. <laughs> That's you've probably been, why I've never been there. You've been to Arizona now. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah, I'm kidding. Arizona is a beautiful state. I love Arizona. My friend Margo lives in Arizona. Um, <clears throat> I got in a motorcycle accident in Phoenix one time. Okay. Um, so I've, I've spent some time in Arizona. Um, it, uh, but I, but I never saw the, I never saw the canals there. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. if, if they're, if it's, you know, um, a kind of a public works, obviously public works, but specifically to combat the monsoon season, because there's a monsoon season in it's, Arizona. It's like, I looked it up briefly and it had something to do with irrigation. And okay. so it was, they were, they're really old. They're old. It's not anything new. Right. So, and then like, I think watering lawns and things like that, maybe at some point, I don't know if they do that, but it's yeah. something, something to do with that. Not a lot of grass in Arizona. It's a lot of, you know, like um, water, not water resistant, but like succulent kind of plants, like desert plants, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of rocks and stuff in people's lawn and stuff. So like why that. did the canals freak you out? Have you not seen them before? Or just the no, I just, I, I was just like, Oh, canals. I think of Venice, right. I think of, you know, mm -hmm. Amsterdam. I think of, you know, these cities with, you know, uh, that are low lying that require canals or that, you know, whatever I wouldn't, they, it conjures up, you know, romantic images, which, which I don't normally equate with Arizona or Phoenix. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah and I've, if, if anybody did have a romantic association, I'm sorry if I've messed that, messed that up for you with this. Oh yeah, it's ruined hundred percent ruined with this story. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, so yeah, so let's get into it. My goodness. Um, weird that, uh, I was going to be sure that it was the boyfriend at first, that weird dude who brought like his new, his new side piece to like, go look for his missing girlfriend. Like that was fucked the balls on that guy. Right. First of all, but, um, uh, making her a cake and like, she's packing, but he's like, everything's awesome. We're going to get married. And she's like, I'm looking for a spot, whatever. Um, I, I thought that that was an interesting dynamic about just kind of how people, when people emotionally leave something, Whereas yeah. the other person's not checking in with them and thinking everything is great. I mean, if we take him for his word, we sure. know he's not the killer. Like he actually believed they were good, you know, and yeah. she was thinking something 
completely different. Different, you know. So she goes out on a bike ride along the canals, <clears throat> and the the gosh, there was something that was that that you mentioned, <clears throat> and the detective, the sergeant detective, mentioned later in the episode that you didn't really kind of hang a lantern on when you were describing the attack the first time. Okay. You kind of focused on the decapitation and the stakes driven through her lady parts. Um, but then you and he both mentioned something later that it was like the killer tried to cut her in half. Mm-hmm. I, you know what, the last time I remember one episode that I did where this happened and you're like, I really didn't need to know how yeah. to separate the, you know what I mean? There's like a specific oh, yeah. way of doing that. And that's why I purposely tracked that in my mind and saying, cause sometimes yeah. like for me, as I'm doing it, it's not like I'm purposely trying to be as graphic as oh, possible. You're reporting, no, you're reporting but the facts. Not, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily that it's just that, you know, people are, morbidly curious about what happens and and what and and kind of what they went through i mean it's 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 a it's a it's definitely a line that you know i don't want to overstep but i do think that people are you know obviously they're listening to true crime and they want to know what happened you know and so right. but with that yeah this guy not only did all those other things and that's why it was so horrific for the people that were there obviously it's like not only was she beheaded not only did he you know stab her um, in her, you know, genital yeah. area and her, you know, reproductive organs making that kind of a statement. But then he also is trying to literally cut her in half. Like at the hips? Yeah. Like, 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 yeah, like, I don't know. Lengthwise or sideways? I didn't ask him, but it sounds right. like he was real. Look at you, Mr. True Crime. Well, I, I, I know it's, you want to know. I get it. You statement get it. to make and then to just kind of leave it unresolved is a little. You're so you know, you're such a hypocrite. Oh my god. No, okay. no, I. I look, you think he needed okay. more murder sprinkled? Look at you. Okay. All right. All right. I get it. I get it. Okay. I get it. Okay. I get it, Brandon. So, this terrible thing happens. <clears throat> it's uh, obviously very well published. And what was it? Oh four. No, it happened in the 90s. It happened in the early 90s, like 1992, 1993. Okay. The first, okay. Both happened in, like, how close? Yeah, so it was a 1992, Angela, the first victim. 1993, 11 months later. 11 months, okay. Melanie, 11 gotcha. months, 11 months. Gotcha, okay. Passed. <clears throat> um. But I think that like for me too, like the timing of it when Silence of the Lambs comes out, because- Oh, that's right, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. You know, it's like that really must have completely freaked people out to the point of like, cause it's not just that they were murdered, but how they were murdered and having that type of person that close and everybody, you know, I mean that Silence of the Lambs was like such a popular movie, you know? Yeah, it swept the Oscars. Absolutely. So it's, yeah. it was on people's minds in a way that I don't know. I don't necessarily <clears throat> know that it had been before. You know that that kind of serial killer, like this is this is what they do. You know, and to a wide, wide audience. So then, eleven months later, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, wonder why it took him so long. Uh, but then there's 17 year old girl. She's out on a bike ride, <clears throat> and that must have that must have freaked the people out. Same stab to the back, where you, you're dead almost instantly with that. I mean, yeah. think of all the damage that does. You know. Yeah. Heart. Yeah arteries lung collapses like all that um and then and then well and the precision of it the precision of it because you know you got to go in there with confidence i mean not to to i mean i'm approaching this from an intellectual not emotional standpoint but to subdue the person and because they're not going to just stand there and wait for it to happen like how did you know it had to be that blitz attack they he just went in went fast and then got that spot you know because we know like Whenever I don't know if you've seen a fight before, but they never really go according to plan in reality. You know, no, what I mean? unless it's someone who really knows what they're doing and gets the person on the ground, face down, bang. You know, yeah, I guess like, yes, exactly. Then that was the plan: is to get them down on the ground with their back, and then he knew exactly where to where to where to go. <clears throat> but then the second time, assuming it's the same killer which I'm, I'm assuming it is. Which um, it is, yes. He takes it a little farther. He doesn't decapitate the second victim, correct? No. But he puts her in a little child's outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Is that explained? He brought it. He brought it to the crimes. He brought it with him. So, you know, <clears throat> it was obviously waiting. And to your point about why 11 months, I mean, there had to have been you know, people were so freaked out that women were not going on that path by themselves. You know, it probably took a while, you know, 11 months. And, and you know, he could have been stalking and waiting for the perfect opportunity. You know, these are crimes of opportunity where he's waiting for the victim to be alone, you know, a woman, whatever. And and so- Body that, type to fit into this little outfit that he had, right? Well, I mean, it didn't fit. It didn't fit and right. it didn't fit. And that was the point. You know, he want, it was a posing type thing. But- you know, he took the time to, to, to pose her like that. So, you know, not only did it show kind of his psychological a little bit, cause I mean, they're grasping at straws. They don't have anything. I mean, they have the ultimate, they have his DNA, but it's, it's before they can really do anything about it. Wow. And he leaves the shoes and socks on. <clears throat> yeah. On both. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the second half of this episode, uh, I didn't know it was going to be a two-parter. And they always, it always pisses me off at the end. Cause I, you know, I, I it's, it, it surprises me. I'm like, damn it. I want to know the answers. Um, mm-hmm. But it got <clears throat> super interesting with all, with, with the evolution of the DNA technology, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the case, you know, going cold and, and being, excuse me one second. The case going cold and being given to this, you know, new unit and a new guy 20 something years later. Right. Um, and then, uh, and then getting that call. Well, first going to, you know, the creme de la creme of the forensic investigator, like imagine the nerds in that freaking building, right? Just imagine what you're dealing with there. Just, I mean, just poorly socially adjusted people who just have their noses buried in murder files, fucking nonstop. Right. You know, it's funny because I don't see it like that at all. The way I, when I was talking to him and you know what, I really like this. I really like this guy that I was interviewing Troy because 
number one, you know, passion gets me every time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like somebody, he's, you know, he has all those attributes that I really appreciate. And, you know, and, and the other thing is, is that he's not afraid to talk about his vulnerabilities. You know, mm -hmm. he's like, when I went in there, I was like so nervous and like, he's not thinking he's king shit. You know what I mean? He's going yeah. in there. It's so relatable. It's how we all feel. It doesn't matter how, I mean, he's got the imposter syndrome big time because the creme de la cremes, they're thinking they're king shit because yep. they are like, they, they're not, I mean, yeah, they may be nerdy, but they're the, the best at their field. They're very, and so I think that it's incredibly intimidating, you know, and, and he said that he's like, I was like basically shaking in my boots. We gave this presentation. The, 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 one of the original founding members was the one that called him out. Like, you're not, you're not doing the slides fast enough. I mean, oh my God, you could just see yeah. his hand shaking, you know, as he's trying to do it. <clears throat> So, um, <clears throat> well, for all of the people in that room that were probably theoretically involved in it, here's a guy that's actually knee deep in a cold case, like an actual cold case where there are real people that need real answers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that, that had to be so exciting for these, for these people, right. To the yeah. point where they're like, get, get to it faster with the slides. What's going on. You know, let's, we're trying to, we're here to help you, you know, <clears throat> and for that guy to come up to him and say, Hey, he's in your files. That's, mm -hmm. that's very Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs. Right? Absolutely. Because <clears throat> that's what he told Starling. He said, it's mm -hmm. all in there. Mm -hmm. Everything is in this file, like right mm -hmm. there. You know, and, and Hannibal knew, this guy doesn't know. All the guy knew was that the you spoke to your guy. He would like, almost guaranteeing, you come, you, you've come across the guy who did this and, he, and he's in the files. So that was really interesting. And then I mean, can you, it's like, that is the thing that makes you stay up at night, right? That's the thing that makes you pour over, you know, to go from Z to A to get to M and like, you know, you can't, you, you're chasing that. You're chasing that. Cause you know, he's in here. If I just, well, it would make work. me, it would make me at first want to punch the guy in the face because <laughs> what it would do to me is like, okay, so I'm a shitty detective. Because the guy who's right for these murders, we already talked to and didn't fucking pick up on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I suck. You're telling me I suck. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing that's great about it is that he didn't have that ego because it was the previous right. detectives back ego. in the right. early 90s. Yeah, you yeah. got an ego, but yeah, so I do I. Punch him in the face. But then I'd say, okay, thank you. I'd apologize for punching him in the face. Then I'd say, thank you. And can you help me, please? And so, <laughs> but what that did, what I love about that statement that this person is in is you, you have him somewhere you spoke to him you know who it is mm -hmm. he just needs that one that one clue the one thing and so you ended the episode so strong with mm -hmm. the name mm -hmm. we think it's we have the family name you know mm -hmm. and so now he just has to go through is there anybody with his name? that's what i'm waiting for that's that's mm -hmm. all that i'm waiting for you know it's well, like the end what? of the magic trick this is gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna deliver so okay Okay. So, um, the genetic genealogy, I, I, I really like how that was looked on as kind of like a pseudoscience at first. Like, is this really kind of a thing? I mean, come on, what's going on here? Um, mm -hmm. but if you can prove the science, then okay, you'll have believers and the science has been proven. You know, it's always one or two people that really believe in it and that have seen the fruits of their labor play out and they just need, needed to scale up 
you know. Right, but this is before any of that. Before, this was of course. before when they're and they're looking at genealogy as like, oh, it's a hobby for retirees or whatever. I don't think that's what it is, but I can imagine that's what. No, my grandmother, my, my grandmother mapped our whole thing back like seven, eight generations, but she didn't have the science of it, mm -hmm. right? She no. didn't have right, like the like the DNA mitochondrial DNA markers that say without you know one in in fourteen quadrillion chance that mm -hmm. this is your third uncle once removed. You know what I mean? Like they can get that Ooh. specific, right? And until yeah. and until people w were willing to really allow themselves to be exposed to the science, it would seem like it was kind of woo-woo, you know? Right, and this is the first case that really opened the door for, for Dr. Colleen Fitzpatrick and really, you know, for the Golden State Killer that would come later and and all of that, like this, this was the very first case that kind of gave her the gravitas to be able to go and, and help solve that case. And right. so this was the very beginning, you know, this was the very beginning of that. And, and, and for me, the bar is always, would this be presented in court? Okay. Mm -hmm. Can this evidence be presented in court where mm -hmm. it could influence whether or not someone's freedom is taken away? Okay. That's a oh, super, super high bar. Hold on. And so for DNA to get there, that became, you know, like really widespread during the OJ Simpson trial because everybody was watching that trial. It's like, okay, DNA is a real thing. That's why everyone knows that lie detectors aren't permissible in court because they're not reliable when someone's freedom is at stake. Okay. Mm -hmm. a, 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 and even a half-assed defense attorney can, would tear it apart on cross-examination. Okay. And so, so for stuff like, this genetic genealogy stuff to be used in court to determine whether or not someone's freedom gets taken away for me, that that's, that's what makes it legit. That's why things like actual pseudoscience, like no one's going to put an astrologer on the stand. Okay. To be an expert witness. Okay. No one's going to put, you know, like a doctor that does like muscle testing as a diagnosis who's going to put them on the stand like in a massive personal injury trial no you're gonna have medical doctors and you're gonna have stuff that is accepted science okay mm -hmm. so when genetic genealogy you know the, the big cases the golden state killer and all that when the when people are getting put away because of it you know it it takes big cases like that for it to become accepted well what's cool about genetic genealogy is that you have the science as the ultimate backup like yeah. you know you're you're the, the genetic genealogy gets you to the person but at the end of the day that surreptitious sample that sample that they collect is is the the the, the deal you know yeah. what i mean so that's how it works if it was just the genetic genealogy and you're just like yeah we think it's this guy but you know what i mean unless you have that dna and you need to have that dna to prove connect the dots it's like that's what's so beautiful about it you know yeah yeah. <clears throat> man, oh man, I can't wait for it to end. Like I have so many questions that I know you know the answers to, but we'll wait till next week. But um, uh, this are, I mean, are particularly heinous and brutal couple of murders here. Yeah. Okay, like really, mm -hmm. really fucked up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like, like werewolf butcher type of fucked up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't listened to the Werewolf Butcher, go back. It's one of our earlier episodes. I think it's episode four or five, uh, but definitely worth listening to. Another two-parter, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Werewolf Butcher was a two-parter. Yeah. I mean, the Werewolf Butcher really, like, I mean, I feel like I learned so much from that, from that case that I never understood and I still don't understand, but just kind of the, why they do this and, and you, you know, it's just, this guy is like that, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and so we'll, we'll find it all will be revealed in episode two. So stay tuned. Gosh, can't wait. Can't wait. <clears throat> well, Sorry, extra phlegmy today. Uh, my bad. <laughs> um, well, thank you for listening, everybody. Sorry for ending it with a phlegm joke, but um, please stay tuned for next week so we see how this how this thing uh, how this thing wraps up. Um, thank you as always for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please make sure you're following so you don't miss an episode. Maybe go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rate, review, share with your friends. It helps more than you know. Um, please consider supporting the great companies that support our show. We wouldn't be able to do this without them. Uh, Carolyn, again, excellent job. Thank you for scaring the shit out of me. And uh, uh, I look forward to next week. Anything you'd like to add? Nope. We'll see you next week. Till then, everybody. Thanks for listening to Criminal Mischief. Stay safe out there. Bye-bye. From Cloud 10, Criminal Mischief is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We're produced by Brandon Morgan and myself. Music by Soundstripe. <laughs>